weekend. Okay, so turn to your Bibles in Genesis 1, just flip a few pages, and then you're there. I did a lot of research for this message, for this series. I had my nose in books the whole week, and commentaries, and different opinions, and uh, all kinds of resources that I I, uh, collected and put together and thought through and prayed through because I wanted to get this right. As I said, the Bible is a wonderful, unified, thank you so much, progressive uh, story of redemption, and it has a beginning. And so maybe we know Genesis through piecemeal or through um, other teachings, but have we ever read it for ourselves? Have we started from chapter 1 and gone through it and laid that foundation? It's important that we know what Genesis says because it filters in and it connects to being a unified story so much of the rest of what we understand, especially when it comes to Jesus. We get to Jesus and there's so much about him and about what he says and about who he is that comes back to the things of this book. It is in your benefit as spiritually growing in the Lord and walking with him to know where the story began. And so, with that in mind, let me give you some background on Genesis, just a a quick summary of uh, what to expect, and then we're going to look at chapter 1. So Genesis is part of a collection of writings uh, called the Pentateuch 5, Uh, all written more or less the same time by Moses. We know that from references within Scripture. Um, The uh, ancient um, Jewish collection of writings, they called it the Torah. It means law. So Genesis isn't even a thing by itself. It's part of a collection of writings. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. The, the purpose for them, for the, for the people that Moses wrote to, they were about to inherit the promised land under Joshua's leadership. <clears throat> Deuteronomy is actually a sermon that Moses gives to the people before they cross the Jordan. It is The purpose was for them to see the purpose God had for them as a people, to lay the foundation of their distinctive worldview as God's people, and onto which this foundation, the rest of the unified story of the Bible would unfold. Bringing a modern mindset to this book is 
slightly detrimental to our understanding of it. We must first understand how the ancient Jewish minds would perceive the world around them. I'm not saying we should become archaeologists, but we should bear this in mind, especially in Genesis. Here's an example. <clears throat> it talks about the stars. God created the sun and the moon and the stars. <clears throat> when we think about stars, what's the first image that comes into your mind? It's pictures from the Hubble Space Telescope, isn't it? It's uh, 3D renderings of faraway galaxies. It's those videos of YouTube where they show Earth relative to the size of Proxima Centauri and things. That's what we think of when we think of stars. <coughs> when a person in the ancient time thought of the word stars, even today, that that's really is our only reference with our eyes. We go outside at night and we look up. And that's our understanding of stars. <clears throat> Genesis is completely um, compatible with science, but it is not a science textbook. So we, we shouldn't demand our modern Western uh, specificity and numbers and, and put things into little boxes. The Jewish mind was very fluid about truth, about facts. Things like we say, here's a great example. We say, I'm five minutes away. Who here has said it? Who really has been five minutes away exactly on the dot? Nobody would accuse us of being untrue. When we say we're five minutes away, it means we're close. Genesis has a lot of that thinking. Keep that in mind as we read on. <clears throat> there are some things that we need to nail down in Genesis and say, we cannot compromise on this point, and this point, and this point, and this point. But I'm open-minded. I can, where there's room to breathe, we can talk. I have my opinion. I'm sure you have yours. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about old earth, new earth, evolution. We're not talking about that. That's not the point of chapter one. We're going to get to the point of chapter one. And we're going to leave the distracting parts that take away the attention from the point on the side. Okay, so here it goes, the days of creation, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. These are some very interesting uh, opening verses. We, we see from verse 1 that the, the center of our story, the main character, the thing that it's all about is God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the rest of the verses of chapter 1 
is going into detail about verse 1. It says, and the earth was without form and void. <clears throat> so void, emptiness, nothingness, <clears throat> and formless. There's other words you can potentially, uh, English words you can potentially put in here in these uh, Hebrew words. Um, some other words are, for example, um, wild and untamed. To the Jewish mind, the existence, to exist, is to have purpose and to have order. <laughs> so if something is without purpose and without order, it doesn't exist. <laughs> There's nothing. The verse is saying that God created something out of nothing. <clears throat> God moved upon the face of the waters of the deep. <coughs> However literal uh, that specific verse is, it indicates to us that God was there. His presence, his spirit was there, and he was about to create. So the first day of creation, and God said, every day, every section starts with that, and God said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Evening and morning was the first day. Every section ends with that as well. And it was good. <clears throat> The second day, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, <coughs> the sky, literally the sky. And the evening and morning, and it was the second day. Let's get to the third day, and we'll <clears throat> look back. Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let God uh, and God called the dry land earth, uh, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed, and fruit trees, and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after its kind, and the, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after its kind, and God saw that it was good evening and the morning, or was the third day. <clears throat> so God began to create, and he began to order this chaos, order this, this nothingness, <clears throat> Firstly, he, he created light, and this light made a distinction between light and dark. Now, there were two things. <laughs> then he, uh, he ordered the sky. He, he created um, this firmament. It's, it's, the word is expanse, empty space, basically. 
well, waters above, I don't know, <laughs> the clouds maybe, it doesn't say, but it says that the sky was created. <clears throat> then uh, on the third day, um, the sky and the sea were, were created. Uh, the, he called it the sea. <clears throat> uh, the third day, the land and then the sea, I, I apologize, I just read it. Um, he started dividing and ordering and through creating, through his spoken word, the, the realms of existence came into being. The earth we stand on, the cosmos out there, everything that we know. <clears throat> on the fourth and the fifth day, he started filling the space that he created on the first the second and the third day. So on day one, he created the sky, and uh, the light, right? On the fourth day, he filled. <laughs> he, he, he set the, the sun and the moon and the stars and all the celestial bodies in place, um, and they gave light. The, the light that was created on the first day, <clears throat> I don't know, but he gave them authority to rule the light and the darkness, to create light. <laughs> and then we have the celestial bodies. <clears throat> on the fifth day, it was the filling of what he created on the second day, right? <clears throat> on the sixth day, filling of what he created on the third day. And on the sixth day, he created man. Now let's read that part. In verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth, over every creeping thing. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created now, that word, um, him, it, it could also be them. He created them. Male and female, he created them. So, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female. <laughs> Mankind, humankind. It's not um, only Adam that God is referring to. It's It's the crowning of creation, the, the setting apart, God said, <clears throat> let us make man in our image, that humankind would be different from the animals, that we would reflect something of him in our being and in our existence. And then it says the seventh day, so we're going to read the first few verses of chapter 2. Thus the heavens and earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he made. He rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God 
made. <coughs> All right. Now that we have uh, an overview, an uh, understanding of the content of Genesis chapter 1, what does the ingredients, what ingredients do we need to actually make a cake? Colleen helped me with that uh, illustration. Like, what do we need? What are the essentials that we need to carry on this biblical journey? <clears throat> this is what I think the essentials are. Firstly, we have to know that God created everything out of nothing. That God is instrumental in forming and even sustaining creation. <laughs> if you haven't already listened to Brother Louis' uh, sermon uh, on our channels, he, he, he touches on this <clears throat> about God sustaining creation. Secondly, we have to believe, we have to know that Adam and Eve were real people, <laughs> that they really existed and God really created them in his image, that we are not just more evolved than the other animals around us, but that we were created f for a purpose and, uh, and separated from uh, as, as something special. <clears throat> and thirdly, we have to know and acknowledge, and we'll get to that more as we look into chapter 2 and 3, <clears throat> we have to acknowledge that when sin entered the world, it brought death. consequences of the fall of the sin, the curse, and what followed after um, our sin nature and the penalty of death. This is what <coughs> we start building the rest of the story of the Bible on. <coughs> I'm going to draw some connections for you to to help us understand uh, why it's not just isolated information. <clears throat> and we're going to do this every week. We're going to draw some connections. So we said uh, God created, okay? Think about Jesus as the creator. If Genesis 1 verse 1 says God created... Look at what Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 says about Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of every creature. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they are thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him talking about Jesus. So already in verse 1, see Jesus as creator. And that was, that was our, 
our non-compromise. Number one. Number, uh, here's one from Hebrews as well. Um, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Um, verse 3. Let's do verse 3. He is the brightness of His glory. So Jesus is the brightness of the Father's glory. The express image of Himself and upholds all things by the word of His power. That's Jesus. When He had by Himself purged our sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. <clears throat> so Christ sustains creation by the word of His power. What is the second uh, <clears throat> non-compromisable That sin brought death, right? <clears throat> the fall, uh, it's a bit out of order. <laughs> Jesus is our representative. Jesus is what the Bible calls in Romans the second Adam. <clears throat> Just as Adam is a representative of all humankind, when he sinned, he inherited a sin nature that we all now have. <clears throat> Christ is the second Adam, and he represents the new creation and the, and the new being that we all have in, in, uh, in salvation. Listen to this from, um, uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last man was made a life-giving spirit. However, that which is spiritual is not first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made out of dust. So it already ties in to chapter 1 of Genesis. <clears throat> the second man was the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, Adam, so are those who are of dust, everyone born today. As is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. When we are born again, as we have been born in the image of the man of dust, Adam, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. <clears throat> and then thirdly, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. So in the Genesis chapter 2, thus the heavens and the earth were made, and on the seventh day God ended his work. <clears throat> so, Adam and Eve, before the fall, existed with God in communion with Him, in fellowship with Him on this seventh day. It, it actually doesn't say, and the morning and the evening and the seventh day. It doesn't say that. It's as if the seventh day rest would continue and this would be their, their perfect union and the state that, that God originally intended for us all to be in. <clears throat> but we sinned 
we chose our own right from wrong. What was part of the curse? We're going to get to that later on. But it was to labor. It says, from dust you were created and you will till the soil and work the land until you get buried in that same ground that you've been tilling and working and planting your whole life. <clears throat> but Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm going to give you a little bit of detail about the, the bigger idea of the Sabbath. It's not just a day where we do all these things so that we, we don't work. <laughs> and in Jesus' time, it was such a chore that people couldn't wait for the first day of the week where they could actually finally relax. And they defeated the whole point of the day of rest. <clears throat> this is the bigger idea of the Sabbath. <clears throat> it's not just about a day. For example, every seven years, <clears throat> they would have a Sabbath year where they, were not, where they gave the land rest and they weren't allowed to till the land or work the land. It says so in Leviticus chapter 25. For six years you shall sow your field, you shall, uh, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruit. But in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. So they could collect food for themselves and for the people in their household from that which naturally grew on their land, but they weren't allowed to prune or anything. It was a year of Sabbath. <laughs> it goes further. So seven times seven. So seven years, seven of those years, 49. So on the 50th year, they had what they call the year of Jubilee, a very special year, a Sabbath year. You shall consecrate, this is also in Leviticus chapter 25, you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land and to its inhabitants. Slaves were freed. People with debt, were, their debt were wiped away. <coughs> Prisoners were um, um, excused of their, of their crimes and given a second chance. It was a time of new beginning. And each shall return to his possession, and every person shall return to his family. <clears throat> they called it the year of Jubilee. Why is this important? What does this have to do with the Lord of the Sabbath? When Jesus began his ministry... He opened the scroll of Isaiah, and he read a passage from Isaiah. And this is what he read. So this is Jesus, beginning his public ministry, reading from Isaiah about this. Listen to what he said. So this is in Luke chapter 4. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance of the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. In verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. He was saying <clears throat> that I am come <laughs> and that the Sabbath is more than just a day. It is an idea that goes all the way back to the beginning of creation where we existed in completeness, in, in, in purpose of our original created intent, in fellowship with our God, in rest. And when Jesus came, he said, that year of Jubilee, when captives will be set free, that is, that is now, it's not a day or a time period, it's an idea that was completed and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He says, come to me, all who are heavy and burdened, for I will give you rest. So, I get asked a lot, why don't we keep the Sabbath day? Well, we kind of do. We are believers in Jesus Christ. He is the rest. So, do you see? I hope I have made my point this morning to illustrate that from the beginning of chapter 1 of the Bible, we can draw lines to Jesus. This is a unified story, progressive unfolding of revelation. <clears throat> it can't be taken piecemeal or shotgun or things out of context. <clears throat> oh, Abraham left his home country and followed the Lord. That means I must immigrate to America. You can't do that with the Bible. If there is anything that that we can do today. Maybe put whatever you're doing in your personal Bible studies on hold for a little while and start reading Genesis with me. Start reading Genesis with me as a church. I don't think that's too much to ask. I think that's the least that I can ask of you as your pastor this morning. Let's start reading Genesis together. All right. As we read, we will grow and we will know for ourselves this wonderful story. All right. <laughs> Dear Lord, once again, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the blessing of this new year. Please preserve us. Please be with us so that we may glorify your name in all that we do, preach the gospel, and learn about you from your revealed word. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
I hope you learned something today. Let's stand for our final hymn, and then you may be dismissed. Thank you.